Okay, alright, we might as well get started here. So, welcome to my new podcast called Our America with Colin Arms. Um, I'm obviously Colin Arms. So, we're going to start off our first episode with just an intro of myself. So, um, I'm a college student at Dickinson College um, in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. I spent my whole life growing up in Pennsylvania. Um, I was born and raised in Lancaster, a city in South Central PA. So I've been here for a, you know, 19 years of my life now. Um, and I decided that PA was not a place that I wanted to, to leave for college. I wanted to stay close to my family. So I am still here. So um, I'm a registered libertarian. I've been registered libertarian probably about eight months now. Um, maybe a little less. Uh, I know that third parties are not something that are are, are generally um, taken seriously in in our in our society because we do have a, a, a two party system in the United States where you know it is very hard as a third party to win. Like we do not have a system like Britain where a certain percentage of the votes goes to a party and that is the percentage of the seats you get. That's not how we work here. Um, so just to introduce the show here, it's called Our America. I would like to provide a perspective that is, um, for everyone that, that Democrats, Republicans, socialists, you know, anarchists, everybody from all sides of the spectrum can kind of understand and I want to be able to incorporate everybody's ideas to kind of try and reach a, a, a broader, a broader um, world view because I feel like everybody nowadays has such a closed off view and they want to view the world through their lens and that is not how we function as a society. This country was built upon compromises, a lot of compromises, whether you think that those compromises are good or bad. I mean one bad compromise we can talk right off the bat, three-fifths compromise, not in today's standards, not a great compromise, but it showed the founders of our country's willingness to work together. So that is something that we need to have today, especially during this time. As I'm filming this, it is, or recording this, it is 9.28 p.m. on the 5th of November, and we still do not know who our next president will be, if it will be Joe Biden um, or if it will be the incumbent president, Donald Trump. So I think that that is, you know, something that we can can dive into is, is election talk. Um, so right now we're looking at... Um, pretty much Joe Biden having a pretty significant lead upon Trump and it all signs are pointing to his presidency with just Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Nevada really left to be considered. Um, You know, I think a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen and we have people on the right calling for a a recount in, in certain states and to keep counting in some states, especially Pennsylvania. We've heard a lot of people um, on the right and in Trump's team calling for them to keep keep counting because it was looking in his favor. Um, and then as soon as it got to the point where it was flipping and Joe Biden was coming, they were they want to halt that. And in Nevada, Arizona, and that kind of stuff where he's really coming up um, from behind, so to speak, with Joe Biden, um, he wants them to keep counting because he wants his lead to he wants to see his lead overtake. So in states where he is falling down, he wants them to stop counting. In states where he's coming up, he wants them to keep counting. And I think the simple solution to all this is we're seeing all kinds of of evidence of voter fraud, you know, 
well I say evidence in air quotes because we we don't know whether it's verified or not and statistically in the past voter fraud has not been statistically significant so that brings it up the question of precedent in this election is voter fraud going to continue to not be statistically significant I think I think Joe Biden's going to become president I think he's going to become our president-elect and I think that that is a realistic approach the you know you have people on the left celebrating people on the right are scared and what I want to impress upon people is that if you do not agree with what the government is doing then that is key the key reason to why you should vote is if you want to see a different government 50 something percent I believe it's about 56 percent or 53 percent of Americans think a third party is a good idea and say they would vote for a third party but yet we have had Republicans and Democrats winning office since Lincoln Lincoln was the first Republican um, we've only had one major third-party challenger in Teddy Roosevelt and the Bull Moose Party when he decided that he did indeed want to run for another term. Um, so we need to analyze this election as a whole. If we do not believe the results in states, and I know that there are, I'm sure there are Democrats out there who do not, who are skeptical of the results. We cannot simply scream and shout at certain states. The best course of action, in my opinion, is to recount the entire election. I don't believe we should have another election. I don't know if that's even possible, but I think we need to recount votes in every state. We need to say, there's no shame in saying, okay, hey, we're unsure, let's do it again. And it is a, a I understand that it is a time-consuming process, but at the same time, what's, what's the hurt? I mean, what's the hurt in in making sure, right? I'm going to be honest with you. I voted for Trump. Did I want to vote for Trump? No. Do I agree with 95% of Trump's policies? Absolutely not. Do I think his Twitter feed is hilarious? Absolutely. But I think at the same time, regardless of who I voted for, I want to see the election be fair and honest. I don't want to see the election be taken by dishonest means. I do not believe that that is what that is about, that that is what our country is about. I believe our country is about fair and honest election processes. And we have been around for, you know, 250 years, give or take. We have seen our fair share of corruption and that kind of stuff in government. But at the same time, you look at, at nations like Russia, um, China, North Korea, that kind of stuff. Those are places with unfair elections. And you look at Russia and the pictures might look beautiful. But in the reality, Russia is a, a second world country. There's no there's no doubt about that. They might have they, they have very rich people there. There are some very rich people living in Russia, but Russia as a whole is a second world country. North Korea, dare I say, is a third world country because they have you know, the majority of their population is starving. So if you want to go to a a a place, a nation where the elections are dishonest such as where we're heading now, or the elections are, are gotten by dishonest means, the elections are gotten by corrupt means, it's a very, to me, it's a very slippery slope that we are heading down into, into a pit of, of something like North Korea or Russia or China or something where you can't criticize your government, where there is only one name on the ballot like in North Korea, because technically North Korea is a democratic state, but you can only vote for Kim Jong-un or a member of the Kim family.
there is no other candidate to vote for. So to me, it is a very slippery slope we head down when we get into unfair elections and we get into, you know, what Trump is going to call rigged elections. I don't think the election was rigged. Personally, I don't think voter fraud is the issue. I think we have a lot of issues with counting the ballots. And if you look at reports, we have a lot of issues with counting the ballots, whether it be ballots are not counted on time, whether it be ballots are being counted improperly. I don't know. But what I do know is that it should not have been this easy for Joe Biden to beat an incumbent president. In the past 90 years, roughly 90 years, we have only seen two or three incumbent, three incumbent presidents that are running for a second term, or a first term in some cases, be beat. It is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly hard. And don't quote me on these facts. I'm going off memory. I don't have my uh, fact sheet laid out in front of me. I'm going completely off memory. Um, it is incredibly, incredibly hard to beat an incumbent. And it is even harder when you have an uptick in the economy to beat an incumbent. And Trump was seeing an uptick in the economy. But the uptick cannot in the economy cannot occur at the time of election. Because the, uh, if the economy is ticking upwards at the time of election, there is not enough for that to reach the electorate to make it make a difference. It has to be roughly one quarter before the electorate, so, or before the election. So if the election is in the fourth quarter, which it is, you would probably have to see the economy uptick third quarter for that to reach for, for that to reach the people. I do not believe that this election was counted fairly. I don't. Regardless of whether Joe Biden or Donald Trump wins, I do not believe in states that Trump won in 2016. I don't think they should have been quite as easy to win for Joe Biden in 2020 because of that incumbent advantage. And and believe me, if Joe Biden wins and it's and I believe it's fair, and the majority of people believe it's fair, that's fine. I'm not complaining about having a Democrat president, because I'm just not. Because if we're looking at what Trump's done, I think it's time for a change. But the option of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and whoever else is running Joe Biden behind the scenes, is to me, is not a good option. This country was not put here to fall into the socialistic trap that Joe Biden is setting for us. I truly, truly believe that there are probably people behind the scenes that are controlling Joe Biden. Kamala Harris, I'm sure that the squad, so Rashida Tlaib, Ayanna Presley, Ilhan Omar, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would have a major, major impact on a Biden administration, as well as Bernie Sanders. As old as he is, I believe Biden would bring him in into his administration because Bernie is not that much older than Biden. And then I believe two or three months into the Biden administration, you would see Biden ousted under the 25th Amendment um, as he is unable to perform his presidential duties due to what is clearly dementia. Um, Biden clearly has dementia. Uh, he can't even form a sentence most of the time. He did a great job in the debates, great performance in the debates, um, managing his stumbles. That is great. But he's not in full. I don't think he's in full-fledged dementia. I think he's he's progressing into into a state of dementia where his memory fails him. But you know, there's good days and bad days in that process. So I think that he is progressing there. But he could have just had good days in the debates. That's fine. 
I encourage, you know, I would I want to see Biden do good. I don't want to see a debate where Trump, as mentally sharp as he is, walk all over Biden because Biden can't even form a sentence because, you know, he's having such problems with his mental cognizance. I don't want to see that because I think it's sad. I don't want to see if that were my grandfather and he were th- and he were down that slope of dementia, the last thing I would want to see is him excuse me, is him exerting himself into that in, in in the way Joe Biden is on a presidential campaign. I truly believe there are not many things that are more probably more tiring and more stressful than running a presidential campaign in the United States. And you can say what you want about Joe Biden's campaign. Oh, he didn't campaign that much. Oh, his rallies weren't that big. That doesn't matter. He is a 77, 78-year-old man running for president of the United States, one of the most powerful positions in the world. The most powerful, the most powerful seat in our country. It is stressful. It is tiring, especially when you're old, when your body is not built to do that anymore, and especially when your mind is not with you. In the case of whether I believe that Joe Biden will be president for his whole term, I already said no. Here's what I think is the most likely scenario to happen for Joe Biden. I think Joe Biden will, he obviously will take the oath of office. And this is pertain. this is um, obviously um, contingent on he wins the election. There is a very slim chance that Trump wins the election now, pending no recounts or anything like that. Um, so Joe Biden takes the oath of office in January. I believe that for maximum six months, he will be in office as the president of the United States. I don't think he's going to get assassinated or anything like that, but I think that a coalition of Democrats like Pelosi, um, will get together to invoke the 25th Amendment against Biden. For those of you who don't know, the 25th Amendment um, it concerns the president and carrying out presidential duties. So the 25th Amendment is when the president becomes unable to do his job, the vice president shall become president. That It, that, it states that it states the line of succession but what it also states is that when a president is unable to do his job, so if a president goes in for a routine surgery where they're out for two hours, the vice president does his job. That's notable from when I believe George W. Bush had to get a colonoscopy while he was in office, and for that time where George Bush was under anesthesia, Dick Cheney was the president of the United States. It's not a long time. Most likely nothing um, critical will ever happen in that span of, of hours. Um, that a president is is under anesthesia for surgery, but it happens. So what will they do to Joe Biden? They, I believe, they will impeach him under the Twenty Fifth Amendment. Maybe not impeach, maybe, but I don't understand how they would get him out of office other than impeach. I don't know how they would invoke the Twenty Fifth um, outside of the president having to invoke it himself, like when he goes under the anesthesia or it being invoked. So, I think they would use the 25th Amendment against Joe Biden. Because they would use it on mental grounds. Joe Biden obviously has dementia. They can downplay it for the entire campaign, but as soon as he gets into office, them downplaying it, it suddenly becomes a weapon for the radical left to use against Joe Biden. Because if you look at Kamala Harris, she's and 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 a lot of the Democratic Party now, they are much more radical than Joe Biden's left of center stance. He can say whatever he wants on the campaign stage to garner himself votes, but nobody moves in, you know, 
in 12 years from when he was running for vice president with Barack Obama and he was anti-gay marriage, nobody moves that far left unless they are pandering. He is pandering to get votes and that is why he is moving that far left. He is shifty on a lot of positions you can see, especially fracking. We'll ban fracking, we won't ban fracking. So what makes you think that he is solid on all of his points if he can't even hold solid on fracking? That is the question. And I do not think that he, that that, that coalition of Democrats, that progressive, I don't even want to call it progressive, social democracy for type of Democrats like AOC, like Talayeb, like Ilhan Omar and Presley, and there are more, want they only want the party in office. They don't want the man. But they have to appeal to the Democrats who are nowhere near as far left as they are. There are the majority of Democrats are nowhere, are probably around an Obama in 2008, 2010, maybe 2012 standing. They are not as far left as Democratic Socialists that we are seeing become the face of the party today. And quite honestly, I don't. they are becoming the face of the party that is in government. They are not becoming the face of the party that is in our country. And they get all the news coverage and that kind of stuff. And that's because the news media is there to divide us, because by pitting us against each other, they get views. Because they, can sp they spin everything negatively, to pit one side against another, and that's how they get views. Nobody wants to watch the news and get all good news all the time. They want to see the bad stuff. And that's fine. And and that's fine. That's how the news has been for as long as I've been alive. But, but, and that's a big but, Joe Biden is not representative of what the Democrats in Congress and in D.C. want. He's not. He is a uh, very, very, very towards the center in beliefs kind of person. He authored the 93 crime bill or 94 crime bill that put that that is responsible for putting a lot of minority drug offenders in prison for a long fucking time. And by the way, I'm swearing on this podcast. I forgot to mention that this is not for um, young people. This podcast is 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 swearing friendly. He fucked a lot of minority drug offenders by doing that. And drugs should not even be illegal. It is a possession thing. It is a put into your body what you want. Sure, they're bad for you. I'm not saying that that shooting heroin is, is the best thing for your body. It's not. But at the same time, it's putting into your body what you want. And the government has no right to control that. So if you see by Joe Biden exerting his authoritarian standpoint there, he's authoritarian left. But if you look on the political compass, Joe Biden is not going to be very far left. He's not as far left as somebody like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who wants to vault us into some kind of socialistic hellhole like Venezuela, or Bernie Sanders, who also wants to vault us into socialistic hellhole like Venezuela, who swears that socialism has never been implemented correctly, even though there is one way to implement socialism. It is to give the government control of things that in our country, the people control. And I know that I'm probably getting off on tangents in this podcast, but that is how I talk. That is how I work through ideas, is I'm a very, 
I, I talk like Alex Jones. I talk very fast, and I get off on a lot of tangents, so I'm trying to harness myself back in, but at times it's hard. So we're right. We're now on that radical wing of the Democratic Party. And honestly, if you want to have a, a radical wing of the party like that, that's fine. But I think it makes more sense for the Democrats at this point to just split into two parties. And if you want to be a radical Democratic Socialist, whatever the fuck that means, because democracy and socialism do not go together, that's great. Make that. Make the Democratic Socialist Party of America and have Presley, the squad, I'm just going to keep referencing the squad, have them join it. Have them join that party. And, and they can use that party and have their platform and run their own candidates. I'm sure they get a fuck ton more votes than Joe Jorgensen did in this election, which was very fucking disappointing and, quite frankly, embarrassing that Gary Johnson gets more votes than you. But at the same time, Spike Cohen being involved with Vermin Supreme probably doesn't help your ticket. Probably could have made—I like Spike. I think he's had a, he has a lot of good ideas. He's an intelligent guy. He's— He's very successful, probably more successful than I will ever be in my entire life. So shout out to Spike if he ever hears this thing. But at the same time, the the vermin, the association with Vermin Supreme, who a lot of, I'm going to say a lot of people know as the guy who wears a motherfucking boot on his head, probably wasn't great for your, your ticket. But I think that the Democratic Socialist Party, I'm going to call, I'm going to refer to them as a party now because they are in no way Democrats. They would gain. They would get a lot of votes, and they would probably have a decent amount of seats in the House and the Senate. And they would probably have a decent amount of seats in the House, and they could probably get some senators because there are a lot of people out there who agree with them. They're young kids with college education who think that life is all unicorns and rainbows and pissing fairy dust and shit and fairy dust. That's that's who supports them. And if you're an older person and you think that socialism works. And you've experienced the real world, real, real world, I would ask you, what the fuck is wrong with you? Because if you look at Venezuela, which is a prime example, it's in our fucking hemisphere. It is our, very, you know, straight south of us. That place is fucked up. And it's because of Maduro and the people before, and the leaders before him, turning that country into what it is now, where you essentially have to eat rats off the street because you already ate your fucking dog. And if you have a baby, you might as well eat the baby's diaper too because then maybe you'll get more nutrients than what you're getting from the food lines, which is absolutely nothing. And if you you want to talk about democratic socialism, where we elect our socialist leaders, I'm going to reference Maduro again, because the people of Venezuela elected a, they wanted a different president than Maduro. Um, I forget his name. I'm looking it up now. Um, but they wanted a, they did not want Maduro in, in 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 as president anymore. They they wanted Juan Guaido. I don't know how to say his name. He declared himself the interim president of Venezuela on the 23rd of January 2019 because the people wanted him as the president. Because Maduro was doing such a god-awful motherfucking job that the people said, somebody help us. We're eating our cats. You know, I just ate my kid's motherfucking diaper filled with shit. I weigh 85 pounds. 
because I'm starving, because we have nothing. We go from one of the most oil-rich countries in the world to this absolute shithole. We're making Haiti look nice. It's that bad. They wanted somebody to help. And the socialist leader of the country is still in office because the people's voices in socialism don't matter. It's what the government thinks is best. And the leaders are always going to think the best way is to keep themselves in power. That's how it has worked since the beginning of civilization, is that a leader, once they get in power, never wants to give it up. Never. There are rare cases where leaders willingly give up their power. George Washington was a rare case of giving up his power, even though he had relatively little as president back in that back in those days compared to the president now he really didn't have a lot of power because the presidential powers the the implied powers were not yet established they weren't established yet it was the first president um, they were still figuring shit out as they went so to the people who think like oh yeah democratic socialism is such a great thing because it's socialism but we elect our leaders do you not read the fucking news like, do you, have you, did you not see what happened in Venezuela? Christ, Juan Guaido, the president of Venezuela, was, I believe, at the 2019 State of the Union address. He was there. It, it, it's a highly publicized, it was a highly publicized problem at the time. It was a highly publicized issue. A lot of news sources covered that because Venezuela was being covered at that time as a complete dump. Because I believe at that time, that's when it came out that people started eating rocks off the side of the street or whatever the fuck they were deciding to eat at that point because Venezuela had gone from hellhole to making hell look like a nice place. So I'm going to start to wrap up here in my final four minutes as we're only going to do a 30-minute segment today. Is my, you know, to whoever's listening to this, do you really think that even if you voted for Joe Biden, if you voted for Trump, if you voted for for uh, Joe Jorgensen, if you wrote in Kanye, or even if you wrote in my stinky asshole, do you think that Joe Biden is what this country needs? I think what this country needs is something like a Rand Paul, somebody who knows the issues that are at stake and is not going to buckle to partisan pressure. That is what I believe. Libertarian-minded people, because libertarian-minded people address all the major issues. You want an abortion? Go get one. That's not on me. That is on your conscience that you've had an abortion. You want to buy a gun? Great. Go buy one. Make sure you pass your background check. At least that's my opinion is that we need background checks and that is it. You want to smoke a, you know, you want to smoke your crack pipe while sitting on your back patio? Great. Have fun. You know, you want to smoke your crack pipe while drinking alcohol and shooting heroin all at the same time? Amazing. That's awesome. Privacy of your own home. You want to you wanna get your dick lopped off and turn yourself into a woman and call yourself a girl? Great. Fantastic. You do that. It is about personal choice. And nobody's rights are going to be under assault with a libertarian-minded president, whether it's libertarian left or libertarian right. Now, when you get further libertarian left, you pretty, you approach socialism. I'm going to say that. The further down towards libertarian and the lefter you get, you approach wanting a more socialist 
agenda because that gets into the more egalitarian state of mind where everybody is equal. Everybody is not equal. Let's just put that out there now. That's going to be my message for a long time. Not everybody is equal. When you pop out of the womb, you are equal. But as soon as you start making your way in the world, which is in you know preschool for some of us, kindergarten for most of us here in the United States, you put yourself ahead of people, and other people put themselves ahead of you. That is how the world works. That is the motivation to, to being a success, is to be the best. So, a libertarian-minded person like Rand Paul, which is, hey, let's give everybody, let's recognize that everybody is not equal. We are all born equal, but we are not equals. Let's let our talents shine, the talents that we have, and let's give everybody opportun- equal opportunities to, sh- to use their talents and their skills effectively to create a better country. That is what we need. We do not need regulations from Trump that are right-leaning regulations or regulations from Biden that are left-leaning regulations, you know, and them to constantly flip-flop because that just fucks everything up. We need low regulations, and we need to promote... The fact that we are all different, not all of us are equal, but we all have talents that we can use to get ahead in this world, and it should be easy to use your talents to get ahead in the world. It should not be difficult, we should not focus on one type of business over the other, or we should not focus on big corporations versus small business, you know, they both have their places in this world. We should focus on giving people the opportunities and low barriers of entry into society so that they can make their way into this world.